94.1 KPFA, KPFC in Berkeley, KSCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned, because coming up, it's Jennifer Stone on Cover to Cover. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Longfellow's birthday. Would you believe it's Longfellow's 200th birthday, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Last night, I dug and dug around looking for um, his famous poem, Hiawatha. Yes, I couldn't find it. I memorized Hiawatha in the seventh grade, along with Edgar Allan Poe's The Bells. I remember the rhythms and the rhymes. Ah, the poems that can sing, you know. You can't make poetry out of thought. For the poet, it's the sound that makes sense. I loved reciting poetry when I was a kid, turning words into songs. But it's all out of fashion these days. I don't know. Times, the times are changing again. I just do that stuff alone at home. It helps me with the dishes. Ah, yes, remember back in the day when women were singing at the river. You remember that? We could go to the river bank and wash our clothes. It's not much of that at the 21st century laundromat. No, no, there's not. Dear me. This is one of those days Medicare took away my antidepressants. Let's see. Yes, things as they are are not played upon a blue guitar. We've got the TV now. That's our antidepressant. That's our uh, opiate, yes. Ah, we've got celebrities to celebrate for us. We had Oscar night on Sunday, yes. I'm still reeling from Jennifer Hudson in her bejeweled Manola glass slippers. What a trip. <laughs> the people's princess, indeed, indeed. Oh, same old, same old. Um, actually, I watched a little bit of the Oscars, and I switched back and forth from a video of Helen Mirren in... Uh, Elizabeth I, which I much prefer to the one she got the Oscar for, you know, the Queen, that's Elizabeth II. In Elizabeth I, there are all those Renaissance costumes and sets, and I'm afraid I'm a history buff. Uh, I prefer the original Liz, the 16th century Elizabeth, that virgin Virago, you know, the one who knew <laughs> that, you know, marriage is one of those things that, um, what is that, is very dangerous for women. Jeremy Irons is in that one. He plays Robert Dudley, apparently the love of 
Elizabeth's life. That's a four-hour BBC show. If you haven't seen it, uh, you, I'm sure, can rent it at a video store by now. Uh, I still like the Glenda Jackson series, which is even longer. It goes, what, I don't know. Um, it's one of those endless series taking her uh, from early, early uh, youth into very, very old age. Yes, Glenda Jackson at 70 dying. Actually, Helen Mirren's death scene, really remarkable uh, in Elizabeth I. Uh, uh, she got the Oscar, you know, for this movie called The Queen. It's a reward for her life's work in films. Uh, the movie, well, predictable. Uh, she is a class act, the actress, of course. Uh, there was a kind of subtext, maybe I'm projecting, but there was something going on at the Oscars. It was wisecracks that were coming from the MC, Ellen DeGeneres. Yes, uh, the gay MC. We have a lot of gay sensibility at the Oscars, uh, multinational stuff, uh, international atmosphere, although they don't seem to know the difference between the Mexicans and the South Americans and whatever. Anyway, the Latino contingent, um, we've got to get that straightened out. Um, Ellen DeGeneres said, yes, there were even some Americans. She said, Americans can fill the seats. Yes, she said, that's something Americans can do, fill the seats. Anyway, she was getting rather rude um, about Judy Dench. Now, Judy Dench has made a career of playing uh, Elizabeth I. Uh, maybe there was something going on there. Uh, uh, Ellen DeGeneres said that uh, Judy Dench was among the missing. She wasn't there at the ceremonies. Uh, uh, DeGeneres said, well, she was having her knees fixed. And then she said, no, it was her eyes. She was having her eyes lifted. And late in the show, it, uh, she took it all the way and said that Judy Dench uh, had gone in for a boob job. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't have paid any attention to this backbiting except that uh, Judy Dench, the actress uh, of... Uh, she's now Dame Judi Dench, was up for an Oscar herself for one of the best roles she's ever had. She's got a part in Notes for a Scandal that knocked my socks off. Check it out, Notes for a Scandal. She plays a malevolent spinster. She does in Kate Blanchett. It's a wonderful, absolutely wonderful part. I'll never forget it. Uh, actually, Kate Blanchett made the... Uh, Best presentation, she was the fashion plate, the real looker, boy, oh boy. Uh, the dress and the jewels, all the same, yes. Uh, oh, golly, um, I don't know why they, what is it? I guess some people noticed, but she was beyond elegant. Uh, the other one would have been Diane Keaton. Wow, how does she do it? Um Amazing, Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson gave the uh, Oscar for the best film. And Nicholson had his head shaved. He looked like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. It was ghastly. Anyway, um, uh, Judy Dench, uh, you know, usually uh, she, she's famous for her, not just for her queens, but for her ladies in lavender and her lady Bracknells and for an ongoing TV series. So maybe there is some... Competition, some friction there, some tension between these British grand dames. Last time I picked up on some 
actresses behaving badly was as a little rift, a little um, attrition between Emma Thompson and Whoopi Goldberg. That was some years ago. And they did let it show. They let it all hang out. Whoopi Goldberg was the MC at the Oscars. And Emma Thompson was getting her Oscar for Sense and Sensibility. She gave an absolutely brilliant speech thanking Jane Austen, you know, telling uh, Jane Austen what the grosses were and apologizing for putting jokes into her um, screenplay. Anyway, uh, I think what was going on between Whoopi and Emma was uh, a, not maybe culture clash. Maybe that's where it started. Actually, Emma Emma Thompson is the body one. She's been kicked off television in Britain for all kinds of naughtiness, but I think it was a power play. It's just basically one-upmanship. Now, what is one-upwomanship exactly? These brilliant women just can't seem to give each other a break. I don't know what that's all about. I guess it figures. I guess competition inspires mean-spirited behavior, but it distresses me. Oh, yes, it distresses my feminist sensibility. So I do see many women uh, giving each other terrific support, watching Gloria Steinem and Jane Fonda giving each other support the other day on the C-SPAN. Anyway, Alan DeGeneres said that this year's Oscars were going to be all about the nominees, not about the winners. Ho, ho, who are we kidding? <laughs> yes, what was it? Ah, is it Paul Newman? He said, you, I'll show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. Anyway, I watched Dear Peter O'Toole age another couple of decades while he was uh, looking at Forrest Whitaker. Uh, O'Toole was sitting right there in the second row, right down in front, and Forrest Whitaker was giving this beautiful New Age Buddhist speech um, as he took home the Oscar for Best Actor. Ah, Peter O'Toole, he's in the old school now. I liked what he did in the movie Venus. Uh, someone said he was playing himself, that is, an old lecher with the flair for life still. Uh, actually, if he'd gotten the Oscar, I guess that would have been uh, another award for a lifetime's work. Uh, but Forrest Whitaker is a man for all seasons, and his performance as Idi Amin was the role of a lifetime. The movie is The Last King of Scotland, in case you haven't seen it. It's a little hard to take, but uh, it's a performance to die for. I like everything Forrest Whitaker does. I even liked him as a, a goofy uh, guy in a funny little movie called Phenomenon. One of those sweet films he and John Travolta play a couple of guys in a small town in California and... That's a sweet part. Uh, something about Forrest Whitaker, which is a little otherworldly. Anyway, Al Gore was there. He was in competition uh, with, what is it, almost no one, it seemed to me. Uh, he doesn't have to do that anymore. He won, of course, for his documentary, An Inconvenient Truth. Uh, 
it's funny. Uh, he's got three books out now. There was a song, fortunately, uh, the song for the documentary, Yes, Youth Rhymes with Truth. So the, <laughs> the, the song managed to be cheerful. Uh, actually, uh, Al Gore can play the statesman now. You know, he's an emeritus politician. Can be an ecologist, a world, uh, world ecologist. That's much better than, uh, petty politician. If only he can move the mountain from the position he's in now. Uh, there's of course all this fuss because he's put on some weight. Uh, somebody muttered something about Orson Welles. What is it, uh, about movie stars? I think of poor Elizabeth Taylor. Every time they put in an appearance, somebody's out there with a measuring tape. Anyway, Gore reminded me of of Cicero in my favorite HBO series, Rome. Yes, the philosopher who can sit there and... <laughs> what is it? T- take the long view. It's curious in, in Rome, actually, Cicero um, finally is assassinated. Uh, he takes a long last look at the sky and uh, crashes down. Sad, 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 sad. Very sad. Uh, I liked I liked Cicero's role because I keep thinking that scholars and writers and thinkers can live at one remove from reality, and that, of course, is total nonsense. Um, <laughs> yes, when they come for us, yes. There won't be anybody left to help us, yes. In any case, uh, check out Rome. It's still running. I think the, the most irritating thing about the Oscars was that the current episode of Rome was, uh, wasn't was showing Sunday night. Mm, they took a hiatus for a week, and I'd much rather watch that than the Oscars. Uh, in Rome... I think we're due for, uh, I think we're due for a reappearance from Cleopatra. She's coming back into the scene. We've had her, her, um, her shtick with Caesar, but she's got to um, have an affair with Anthony now. Now, the role of the women in the series Rome fascinates me. Uh, it's certainly as interesting as, uh, the Elizabethans. I think of Elizabeth I, uh, there were not, of course, any female Roman emperors, but uh, uh, the women in this series are mostly the mothers of emperors. If you go back in history, you will find that it is the mothers of the rulers that seem to be the heavies. Uh, Lindsay Duncan plays the mother of Brutus, yes, Sevilla. Wonderful part. She's the lover of Julius Caesar, and when he dumps her, <laughs> oh yes, uh, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned it is absolutely fascinating. I'm not sure I buy it because I'm not sure uh, how accurate it is historically. I keep dipping into Plutarch's lives, but of course, uh, the series takes all kinds of uh, license with the uh, with the facts. Uh, a woman's scorn can bring down a dynasty, though. There's no question of that. The uh, other mother in this series is Polly Walker. 
She plays Atia, mother of Octavian. Octavian Augustus was the nephew and adopted son of Julius Caesar, and eventually he becomes Augustus Caesar, ruler of Rome for more than 40 years. He's pretty much the founder of the Roman Empire. Um, he endured. He lasted. Uh, Atia, at this point, is the lover of Mark Anthony, and she... Uh, She's the one who's manipulating and conniving. And uh, at one point now, she's united Anthony and Octavian to defeat uh, Brutus and Cassius at the Battle of Philippi. Ah, yes. Now, some of the details, of course, (laughs) were put in by the writers, but who knows? Maybe some of that stuff is true. Most of all, this series, for me is a perfect analogy or parallel or fable. Um, It's all about uh, what's happening to us, you know, and it gives us a perfect picture of the rulers and the underclass, you know, Uh, the years when a republic dissolves into an empire. We see the strong men, uh, the uh, thugs, Let's call them the mafia, the Roman mafia, yes. Uh, the Italian mafia develops here. They take over the gangs in the city and they run the criminal world. Exactly the way the state terrorists run things at the top. You know, the political power plays. Now, the Brits, of course, get this because they perfected it. You remember, you remember a series some time ago called Upstairs, Downstairs? In that series, we saw the upper and lower classes imitating each other. You know how that goes. Uh, I think of um, our culture, yes, the Sopranos, the criminal classes, (laughs) imitating the thugs at the top, the corporate killers, and the women in both classes or groups, manipulating the males, manipulating each other. The problem, of course is the same always then and now. What's it going to be, girls? Love or power? Is possession power? Even the pagans had to struggle with that one, uh, women's choices. We always say we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. Uh, I was thinking about Helen Mirren, her wonderful, uh, what do you call that, classic role, both the actress and the part she plays. Uh, this is as good as it gets, girls. Um, she, Gloria Steinem, so many women uh, not marrying until they're in their 60s. Interesting. Knowing that marriages offer wives very little. Uh, it certainly doesn't offer the woman an helpmate or an acolyte or someone to share in her work. Uh where Jackie Kennedy finally found someone to give her support to cheer her up at the end. Now, think about that role. Think about Hillary Rodham Clinton. Some people say she got political power and support, you know, from Bill, from her husband. I mean, that was her path to power. If that's true, good for her. Think of Glenda Jackson as an MP in Britain. Jane Fonda, a woman's rights advocate in Georgia. Now, these women in their 60s are doing it alone. 
or with the help of other women in some cases. The only one I can remember, oh, Bella Abzug's husband, Martin. He was a grand exception. There are others. Uh, KPFA listeners often call me up to remind me about all the exceptions to the rule. Especially women want to remind me. Uh, they always uh, poke me and say, well, what about Gandhi or Martin King or Frederick Douglass? And <laughs> I have to say those aren't particularly good examples where women are concerned. We have to keep our systemic perspective. It isn't so much gender, folks. It's about gentility, sensibility. Only women know how tender and sympathetic individual males can be. Individually, when it's individual intimacies, women crave the love and affection of the men in their lives. Oh, what all of us have to worry about is their male bonding, their militarism. You know, when you get these guys together, that's when we got trouble. The whole horror of a world where war is the ultimate act, where wargasm is the peak experience for the guys. Now, check out that TV series, Rome, because uh, you will find there this strange contradiction. The most lovable character in Rome is the most enthusiastic soldier. Mm-hmm. His name is Polo. He's from the underclass. <laughs> Wait a moment. Yes, the most heartless and violent character, Mark Anthony, also loves battles more than sex. Oh, dear, the Roman world is still the world we live in. The world in which civilization itself is defined as an authoritarian regime. Civilization means order, control, uh, keeping the lid on. Now, females are included in this game, seeking their power through men. Others mitigate the violence. Uh, you know, it's kind of that woman thing. You know how it goes. Mother cautioning father not to beat the child too hard, you know. Uh, go easy on him, dear, yes. Uh, cut him a little slack, you know. That's the lesson, one of the lessons of fascism. One of Mark Antony's seconds cautions, don't kill them all, you know. We don't want to be seen as bloodthirsty. So, too, in our time in Washington, D.C., yes, the Democrats ah, called upon to tell the right wing to hold off, stay its hand, yes. Uh, yes, in Rome, <laughs> one of the characters says, of the senators, yes, this is... What are they going to do, you know, about Octavian? Throw their sandals at him? Right, let's throw our sandals at uh, Bush. The Democrats offer a stay of execution. Uh, the Republicans or the right always demands a license to kill. We know that the left hand washes the right. That's the way these systems are run. It's like a Greek chorus. The Democrats plead with the rulers. Don't torture the innocent. <laughs> I watched Al Gore at the awards, laughing at politics. I don't know if he's really laughing. He was trying to show up the scene, the Washington scene for the Roman farce it has become. I'm not quite sure, uh, I'm not quite sure what he expects these days. I think he wants, what is it, I think he wants to be the man 
behind the throne. He wants to be our our Cicero. Uh, <laughs> actually, I look around for the next Ralph Nader. There were a lot of jokes about Ralph Nader, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure out um, why he didn't put in an appearance. The fact is that in our culture. Um, the entertainment industry and the political, uh, let's call it the political, uh, cabal has kind of melded. It's all come together. Uh, I made up my mind this year to go out and buy myself some false eyelashes. I noticed that even the older women were wearing very long, thick, false eyelashes. Oh yes, and those fingernails. Bill Clinton's mom used to wear those. Uh-huh. I think, yes, I think that's what I want. And uh, the little Abigail Reslin, the little star of Little Miss Sunshine, uh, we still have one wholesome picture, too wholesome by half, if you ask me. Alan Arkin uh, got an Oscar for his role in that picture. Frankly, I thought the role was horrifying. He's supposed to be a grandfather. He dies in the middle of the picture. Oh, dear, I must not. I should not. That's giving it away. I have sinned. But they drag him around in their uh, in their van in the trunk. And I guess that's supposed to be a joke. I had a little trouble. I'm afraid I kind of gagged. Uh, the truth is that the movie for someone like me is not just notes for a scandal it's Pan's Labyrinth uh, now I don't really have time to go into all the beautiful films from the uh, foreign filmmakers the uh, Mexican contributions yes the art direction mm, it's hard to find people who really enjoy dark fantasies I plan to take some of my friends to that film now and uh, get more feedback. I need to, I need to see what other people think. Um, other, what is it? D- the director's vision in Pan's Labyrinth is more than I can handle. Uh, I know it's unique, but my Irish eyes uh, are getting so tired. <laughs> I don't know. I guess. I guess I need I need a Victorian uh, Victorian retreat. I keep slipping back into the 19th century, and I just sit down and read uh, the sort of fairy tales that have Arthur Rackham illustrations. Something very gentle, something very uh, quiet and peaceful. The new the new uh, fantasies are too grim for me now. Next week, I need to do something very special for Women's Month. Next month, March, is International Women's Month. (laughs) That's an oxymoron, if I ever heard one. Uh, We will start with Artie Schopenhauer, the guy who... uh, The German philosopher who told us all about women... Okay, I'll be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. There's
your picture Drop the shadows Out of They said they were starting to sound like a broken record Or maybe it's a broken turntable Or maybe a record that's at the end of the line Anyway, they felt like it was hard to get your attention so they shouted my name. I don't respond well to shouts. The name is Cool, Jimmy Cool, and I'm a P-man, strictly pleasure, peace, and pledges. Well, there are a few more few words along the way, but definitely not pain. Maybe if they knocked my door down, they were desperate, although maybe a little drastic. They said you were supposed to give them what they need, you know, coin, dinero, greens, dead presidents. They said you promised to do this in their last marathon, but you haven't quite made it to their mailbox. I'm not a threatening character, I'm a P-man. You're who you are, let's keep it that way. Don't let KPFA knock my door down again. Pay your pledges. It's drafty in here. By the way, could you pass the peas? They're in that pot over there by the plant on the porch. Hi, this is Tom Mazzolini inviting you to join me every Saturday from noon to 2 p.m. for the Blues by the Bass Show here on KPFA. I'll be playing the latest blues CD releases, as well as some of the great classics. Also featured will be unique blues rarities, interviews, blues news, and musician profiles. So join me every Saturday, starting at noon, where we will take a journey down to the Bay of Blues, right here on KPFA. You are listening to 94.1 KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KSCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org.